Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. Um, I needed to bring somebody on stage real fast. Kinsey, come on up here, Kinsey. So, Kinsey was actually baptized a few weeks ago, but we didn't get a chance to bring her up on stage. And so I want to make sure that you are recognized and that the church knows that you're here and that you're loved and you're supported. You already got your book, right? And so you guys have been working through that, so congratulations, all right? Here at the Crossings Church, anytime somebody makes a commitment to follow Christ for the rest of their lives, we like to recognize that. Um, you know, the Bible makes it very clear um, that, they're, that they're added to God's family. And so we want to make sure at the Crossings Church that just like in your own family, when somebody's added to that family, whether it be through marriage or through birth, that it's celebrated. And we like to do the same thing here at the Crossings. So um, welcome. My name's Jake. And uh, we are actually in the middle of a sermon series called To Be Continued, but we are actually going to put that on hold for about a month or so um, because we want to wait for our students in the fall to come back. We have some, we have some plans coming up for this fall semester, and uh, we decided to take a month or so with these next couple weeks because we have camps, we have retreats, we have a lot of things coming up in these next couple weeks, and people are going to kind of be in and out like crazy. And so we decided to put together a sermon series for this next, uh, for this next month or so um, that we're going to jump into today. But like I was saying, we have a very busy next couple weeks here at the Crossings Church. Uh, so actually next Sunday, we leave for high school camp. And I know that the high schoolers are always super excited for that. Parents are super excited to get their kids out of the house for a little bit. Um, and so if you have a high school student or you know of a high school student that could be benefited by this camp, it is not too late. Um, it, I, there should be information in your guys' bulletin as well. It's on the back uh, if you guys want to look that up. And if there's something else that you need for that, you just let me know. Then the following week is junior high camp. And so, oh, that would have been bad. Um, yeah, I know. Look at me. Recruit me. The NFL draft's coming up, man. Recruit me. Um, or, Fantasy football draft is coming up. Uh, so uh, the junior high camp is right around the corner, and that is the week afterwards. So if you have junior high kids, same way. You can get them out of the house by coming to that. And then the week after that is our campus retreat. And so in the next two and a half weeks, there's going to be a lot of people in and out. Um, so if you're college age for that campus retreat, we love this retreat. Um, it's just our way to reconnect and refocus as we go back into the school year um, because when we get back, like literally it's, it's high school camp, then junior high camp, then campus retreat, and then my kids are back in school like within two days of us being back, and, and I'm just like, where did the summer go? <laughs> you know? And I think a lot of us are probably feeling that same way, that like summer is almost gone, uh, but there's still a lot of opportunities and a lot of resources here at the Crossings to get you guys connected um, and get you guys fueled and fired up for this upcoming school year. So um, with that being said, we are jumping into a sermon series uh, and it's called, Because God Is, I Can. And we look through Scripture, and when you, and when you look through Scripture, you realize very quickly that all of the victories that happen within God's people happen because of their faith. And a lot of the difficulties that happen with God's people happen because of a lack of faith. And when it comes down to it, we want to look at, and, and, we can, and we, we're going to try to figure out what it is that God is, and because God is who he is, we can be certain things. And so these next couple of weeks, I'm not sure necessarily what the topics are going to be, but they're going to be along the lines of things like, because God is, 
I can be a good father. And maybe we never thought we could ever be a good father because of the way that we were raised or the things that we were exposed to as kids. But because God is who he is, I could be a good father or a good mother. Because God is, I can be strong. Whereas my whole life, I've looked looked at myself as a weak person, as somebody that's been walked over, somebody that just can't stand up for themselves. But because God is who he is, I can be strong. Or because God is who he is, I can be secure. And maybe I grew up insecure, and maybe I I feel like that's something I I struggle with. Or I can be courageous. And so I'm not necessarily sure what we're going to hit on throughout the next couple weeks, but we're going to be talking about these different topics of because God is who he is, I can be something. And what we're going to start off today is we're going to have a, a Kickstarter lesson on what this talks about. Because God is who he is, first off, I can if I believe. That's where we have to start. Because without believing in God and trusting in God and understanding that because God is, I can, I first have to believe. And we're going to talk a lot about that idea of belief because I think that the world has turned the word belief into something that the Bible has a completely different context on. And so if we're going to talk about what it takes to believe, if I need to believe in God and what that looks like, we're going to need to, we're going to, need to dive into that today. And the verse we're going to kind of look at to start is in Mark 9, verses 22 through 24. And if you guys would like to follow along, there are some notes in your guys' bulletins um, that you guys can kind of fill in some blanks as we kind of go through this. But there's this verse, and I'll give you some context and background on this verse. So there, there is a man whose son has been possessed by a demon. And his son has lived a pretty hard life. And it talks in the, in the verse in Mark 9, if you want to go back and read through that chapter, it talks about how this demon and, and this, this spirit has possessed him in a way that it, it has damaged him. It has, it has forced him into fire and, and into water to potentially drown and kill. It's doing harmful things to his son. And, and, and this guy is kind of out of, out of resorts and he decides to go and find God and, or find Jesus. And he even tries first to attempt to have the demons, this demon, Get gotten rid of by the disciples, and the disciples can't even do it. And so now he's met with Jesus, and he's at this position in Mark 9, 22 through 24, and it says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus responds, he says, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You see, and that's where we're going to start today is God can do anything. Jesus was God in the flesh, and he literally says anything is possible if a person believes because Jesus can do everything. He can do anything. And so because God is who he is, he can do everything, and he can enable us to do anything if we believe. But just like this verse kind of indicates, there, there can be a struggle with that, right? There can be a struggle with belief. There can be a struggle with faith. There can be a struggle with doubt. And we're going to talk about some different things. We're going to kind of zip through this lesson today because we have a lot of different points I want to hit on. But first, I want to talk about three life-changing facts and doubts about faith, or three life-changing faith and doubt facts. And we're going to talk about this, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how to deal with those doubts, and then we're going to talk about some practical things to build our faith up. But if we, need to, if we, can, we can pull some things out of the story, we can pull some things out of 
um, this walk with Jesus, that are some just straight up facts about faith and doubt when they go hand in hand. And the first thing is, is that faith is usually mixed with doubt. They usually go hand in hand. Faith is usually mixed with doubt. This man literally says, if we go back up there in, in, in Mark 9, 24, he says, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. Have you ever felt like that? That you, that you believe, you, you cognitively believe that there is a God, like you understand, but there's still doubts on his capabilities. There's still doubts on how strong he actually is, on how far he can actually take you, on, on maybe what, what he can actually pull you out of and how, and how far down the road he can go. You know, my whole life I've doubted my fatherhood because I've had a terrible father. You know, my, my dad was never around as a kid. I never had a father figure that I would say was a strong man that I could look at as an example. And so even to this day, now that I'm married and I have my own kids, I still have this doubt sometimes of like, what can God really do with me as a father? Because I've never experienced or understood what that looked like as a kid. And I grew up with those doubts. I also grew up very poor. And I look at my life now and I don't have a giant house. I don't have a mansion, but the house that I own is, is bigger than anything I ever lived in as a kid. And, and the resources that had been given me, the, the financial stability, it's not stable, but it's stable than, it was more stable than it was when I was a kid. You know, The things that I had to deal with growing up in poverty, I look at myself and say, how can I get myself in a financially stable situation whenever I've never experienced that myself? I doubted that God could help me get into a, a responsible place. I grew up with no friends. I grew up very alone. I grew up in a very, like I said, I grew up in a, in a rich school with very popular cliquish friends, but I grew up in a very poor community that was attached to that school. So when I went to school, I didn't have the same you know, relationships and the same friendships that some of the kids in that school had. And so I grew up pretty lonely as a kid. And as I, as I figured out that God existed and I, and I looked at my faith, I said, how, how can God make me relational? How could God create me to be somebody that could have good friends? You know, and I look at my life and I look at all these different things that I've doubted in my time. And never once as, I, as I've gotten older and as I matured, I've realized that faith is never complete without doubt by its side. Because there will always be doubt. And it's totally normal and it's totally natural to have doubt because any faith that's a faith without doubt, I believe is a fake faith. I believe, I believe is a faith that is to save face, is to put on a mask, is to make it look like everything's together in your life. Because the reality is, is that when you have a relationship with God and you trust him, the authenticness of our hearts is always going to have some sort of doubt with the hardships that come within our lives. Just like this guy, he completely believes in God and who he is, but there are still doubts of the capabilities of what he can do. And I think that's normal. And I wish churches would, would accept that and open that, that language, that barrier more with the congregation than what I see in many churches that, that they mask this idea that faith is you need no doubt. You need to have no doubt and you hide that doubt and you make it look like your church has got everything together. I wish that more churches would open that door and say, listen, it's totally acceptable to have doubt. It's totally okay to have doubt. It should, it should go along with your faith to doubt and to express those doubts. 
Now to go along with that, our second point is faith is always a grow-as-you-go experience. Because doubt is acceptable, and it's something that should happen within our faith, but it's something that needs to be grown in. It's something that should, should change and should be, and should be looked at. And we're, I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead of the scene here. But if you were baptized and you decided to live your life for Christ, biblically that should be the most immature moment in your Christian walk is the moment that you chose to get baptized. Because the rest of your life should now be an opportunity for you to grow in your faith to solidify your faith. And there are a lot of things that maybe you did not know when you got baptized that you now know years down the road in your maturity and your walk with Christ. And I think a lot of times we, we kind of look at baptism and, and sometimes the world can even look at baptism as like, that's like the ending point and now I'm just a Christian forever, you know, and like I don't need to know anything else. But even here at the Crossings Church, you know, like we go through a set of studies with people who, who want to investigate their faith and they want to know who God is. And so we have these studies that we have developed and we've, we've kind of picked some, some scriptures out to kind of just kind of overlay the, the, the general basis of, of who God is and what he can do and what sin is and, and, what, and who Jesus is and what this life would look like if this is something that you want to do. And if you want to commit to this, let's talk about baptism and what that looks like. And we have this kind of, we have this, we have this path of discipleship that we've created. And, and then we leave people with a choice. And we say, listen. Now you know the basis of what it is to be a disciple, what it looks like to be a disciple, and what that cost is if you want to follow God for your life. Is that something that you want to do? And if people say, yes, I want to get baptized, I want to surrender my life, then that's the point that you start your faith. That's the point that you look at your life and say, I have no idea what I'm doing now. <laughs> like, I have no idea because I just gave everything up that I, that I knew. And now the rest of my life, I want to learn to grow. I want to learn to, to mature. I want to learn how I can, dis, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can fill this role that I've decided to lay my life down for. It's just like a kindergartner, man. Like, would you expect a kindergartner to have more knowledge and experience than, than a senior in high school? Of course you wouldn't. That's just the point that they start their life in education, just like that's the point that you start your faith in your relationship with God. And so this faith that we talk about, there will be doubts that go along with it, but it, is, it has got to be a consistent, growing experience in our lives that our faith continues to mature and continues to grow. You know, there's a point here that says, trusting God today brings greater trust tomorrow. You see, the doubts that have happened in my life, I can look back on and say, how foolish was I to doubt God in those situations? Because I've matured, and I look at my life now and say, those same doubts that I had then, I don't have anymore. The things that I, I wasn't sure if he was capable of doing or the things that I wasn't sure if I wanted to do, I, don't, I look at those things now and say, man, how foolish was that of me to think that way? And when I was then in that point, it made sense for me to have those doubts because I wasn't, I had not grown in my faith to where I'm at today. You know, I know some of you guys know this about me, but when my wife and I uh, first got pregnant, we uh, miscarried twins. And that was a very shattering faith moment for me. That was a very doubting moment in my faith at that time. And be like, why would God want this to happen to me? 
Why would God think that I would solidify my faith in him when this difficulty has happened in my life? Why would, I, why would I feel like this tragic thing happens in my life and I'm supposed to believe even stronger? You know, and I had, I had some moments in, in, that, in that time where I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to do anymore. I don't know if this is what, what God, you know, if this is what it takes to follow God. I don't know if, like, I kind of doubt that there's anything that could happen in my life that could be good. And, I, and I'm sure you guys have had those same moments where you're like, if this has happened to me, how can there be anything good happen in the future? But luckily for me, I had resources, I had people in my life, I had encouragement, I had, you know, I had that support to get me through that tough time. And I look at my, I look at my life today, and I have three daughters. And it, took, it still took me a while to figure this out and to think through this. But when I look at my life, if I had to give everything away that I have today to have those twins be born, I don't think I would, I don't think I would trade it. Because I trusted in God and he was able to bless me and give me something so much greater than I could even expect it down the road. And I fought for so long on something because I look back at that and say, how foolish was I to look at God and doubt what he could maybe do with my life? And I think it's those kind of things that we look at in our lives that we don't give God enough time to show us the tomorrow because we're so frustrated with the today. And if God can bless us in the tomorrows, that's only going to happen when we choose to be faithful in the todays. And there are still things today that I have doubts with that I know down the road I'll look back and say, how foolish am I to doubt right now? But we've got to be able to accept that there is doubts that can happen, but to know that as we mature and as we get older and as we mature in our faith, that some of the doubts that we have today are going to look foolish because we were able to mature through them, and now we know that there's a different faith that we have because of us sticking with it in the hard times. It says in Romans 10, 11, it says, For the scriptures tell us that no one who believes in Christ will ever be disappointed. Man, isn't that a cool verse? Right? That no one will ever be disappointed. You know, I, I still carry a hurt from our miscarriages, but I'm not disappointed. God has not disappointed me yet. And maybe we had a different view on life when it comes to that. Our faith and our doubts may have a little more in common than we think. And then thirdly, faith's greatest resource is Jesus Christ. Where, where is this resource? Where, where is the information that I need? You know, where, How can I build on my faith? How, how can I deal with these doubts? It's Jesus. You know, in Hebrews 12.2, this is the amplified version, but it says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. You see, Jesus is the beginning, the middle, and the end when it comes to our faith. You know, when, when we're here at the Crossing Church, like I said, we walk through some of those studies, we always point people to Jesus. And we always say, look at what this man did. Look at, look at what the Son of God did. This, is, this should be the source of your faith. The entire Christian faith hangs upon Jesus Christ. If you debunk Jesus, you debunk the entire Christian faith. 
Everything that we do, because Christ's love compels us, because of what Jesus did, everything in life is centered around Jesus Christ. And so if that is so true, and the Bible tells us that it's, he is the source and the finisher, that means that there is still a lot more that we can draw from Jesus' life than what we've already received. And so no matter where you're at today, this is an encouraging point to, to, to remember and recognize that if you're here visiting with us and you're trying to investigate faith and you're trying to, and you're trying to understand, like, I got a lot of doubts, and I don't really know if I believe in this. I don't really know where to go. I'm telling you right now, you need to go look at Jesus. If you're in the middle, you know, and you're, you've been here for years and you're like, you know, I'm just, I still got some same, some same doubts. Well, your answer is you need to go look at Jesus, <laughs> you know? And if you're matured and, you, and you're experienced and, you, and you're further down the road and you're like, you know, I'm still trying, I feel like I got a lot of maturity, I'm going to say, you ain't got enough. You need to go look at Jesus. <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't really matter where you're at on your walk with faith, but the source and the resource God has always given us is Jesus. And we need to continue to look at Jesus so that we can continue to do the things that he's called us to. And that's a typo on your notes, but Matthew 28, I think it says 27. Matthew 28, verses 17, says, The moment they saw him, they worshipped him, but some still had lingering doubts. You know what's crazy about this verse, Matthew 28, 17? Is many of you probably did not remember this verse, or you don't recognize this verse. But you probably recognize Matthew 28, 18 through 20, right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission. Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, so go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything I've taught you till the end of the age, and I'll be with you always. We've heard that before, right? We've heard the Great Commission time and time and time again. But have you ever recognized that the verse right before it is his disciples Still having lingering doubts. Literally right before he makes that comment and he makes that commission. And all 11 of these men, because you know Judas is not here and they haven't picked Matthias out yet, but all 11 of these men have got a decision to make in the midst of their doubts upon the new instruction that has been given to them. Even after Jesus came back from the grave. Even after he showed Thomas, who doubted the most, the truth they still make claims that they had doubts. But if you know anything about the Bible and you see anything in Scripture, you realize that these 11 men who still had doubts were given an instruction by Jesus and you watch what happens in the book of Acts. You know, I don't believe that their doubts were just diminished and, and disappeared because Jesus gave them this great commission right afterwards. And they're like, oh, I guess that makes sense. That erases all my doubts. I'm just going to go do what you told me to do. I don't think that's what happened. I think they made a choice. I think they made a choice that in the midst of their doubts, they were still willing to be faithful. And I think that that is where we need to get at today. And that's the challenge that we're trying to get at today. Because if God is who he is, and I can trust in God, then anything is possible for me, just like it was for this first century. And that's why we've been going through to be continued, if you guys have been around lately, in the sermon series these last couple weeks, or these last couple months, is because these men changed the Christian faith. 
These men, despite their doubts, went out and changed an entire culture because of their faith. But doubt was right there with them. And doubt is never meant to cripple you from doing what God has called you to do. But it doesn't mean it's not going to be present. And so if that's true, and these men were willing to work with their doubts with God, well, there are some things that we need to do to deal with our doubts. Because it could be easy enough for me to say, you know, doubts and faith are going to go hand in hand, so let's have them both. But there has to be a reality that the doubts have got to be challenged. The doubts have got to be matured through and the doubts have got to change because doubts will continue to come as you get older. It's just the natural natural phase of life. For some of you high school kids, you can look at your life and you doubt, right, anything. You doubt you doubt everything. <laughs> You're like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Like, who am I going to marry? Like, where am I going to live? Like, what kind of job am I going to have? I doubt any, I don't think I'm going to be able to do any of this stuff. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you kids what, like there's 50 and 60 year old people in this room that have the same kind of doubts. <laughs> there's still people in this room that are like, who, who am I going to marry? Like, where am I going to live? Like, how am I going to live my life? How, how many times am I going to move? Or, you know, and maybe they, they don't have some of those same questions, but now they have different questions of how am I going to afford this? How am I going to be able to get through this time in my life? How am I going to be able to, to stay with my family? How am I going to be able to keep my family together? Like how, like, and we still have those same kind of doubts. It's just in different worlds. And that's why it's so important for us, especially as we're young, to build on our faith and to, to, to challenge the doubts and to explore the doubts so we can mature through the doubts because there will be new doubts. But here's the reason why dealing with doubts is so important. We're going to talk about three things. The first thing is because my doubts will turn me away from God. And this is going to be like a snowball effect, these three points, so you can kind of see what happens. Because first off, your doubts will turn you away from God. Hebrews 3.12 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. You see, doubts first and foremost are going to turn us away from God. And this is where we start talking about this idea of belief. We've been talking about it today, right? Like believing in God because I can if I believe. If you know the worldview of belief, you see it more as a cognitive thing. Oh, I believe in God. Kind of like we believe in Santa Claus, right? I believe in Santa Claus. I believe he exists. He is real, whatever, right? And it's just this cognitive belief that it's actually like there, you know? But when you look through scripture, you start to see that the the idea of belief is more tied to an action of trust. And so when you see the word belief, I want you guys to not just look at the word belief as like, okay, I believe it, but okay, That means I trust in it. And the trust in something would mean that that you would would have an action of following it, that you'd have an action to obey it, you have an action to stay with it. And so look at it in that context because in this first verse it says that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart. Now that's not meaning that you have a heart that doesn't believe he's there. That's talking about a heart that's not willing to trust a heart that's not willing to follow, a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God. Because if that's where our hearts get, we start to create distance between us and God. 
and snowball on that. Point two is because when I'm away from God, I don't listen to God. See, when I'm away from God, I don't listen to God. It falls in that verse in, in Hebrews 3, 14 and 15. It says, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. But never forget the warning. Today you must listen to his voice. Don't harden your hearts against him as Israel did when they rebelled. You see, when we don't listen to God, we start to not obey God. And just like these Israelites, it was a rebellion that had happened, and that's the same thing that can happen in our hearts. Have you ever got yourself into a position where you just get so frustrated, you get so mad about things that you shut down, right? And you're just like, you know, I'm so upset about this thing, I'm so frustrated at this thing, this, this, this has become so difficult, or I just don't want to deal with this, so you know what? I don't want to talk to nobody, you know? I'm just going to shut myself out for a couple of days. And, and we, choose, we choose to create distance. And we turn ourselves away from whatever that problem is. And it's no different with God. You know, when we're, when we're not happy with what God has done in our lives, we're not happy with what, what we're seeing in our lives, we choose to create distance between us and God. And then that thought of frustration now becomes an action because it snowballs on itself. So now, not only are we thinking about these doubts and we're feeling these doubts and we've created distance from these doubts, but now these doubts have taken captive our thoughts and now they're becoming actions. Because not only have you felt frustrated with things, have you ever snapped on somebody for no reason? You know, have you ever just been so fed up and frustrated with people that you just are like, I'm a different person? I made a, I made a joke in our first service and I was like, it's just that time of the month, man. You know what I'm talking about? You know? <laughs> and I looked, at, I looked at some of the guys, and I was like, you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and I forgot that all the guys in that classroom are married, and they're like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you know? There's one college guy in there who's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, you know, just wait until you get married. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but the girl's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I just don't know. It just, something changes. And, I, and I'm like, well, that's the same thing that happens with our doubts. You know? We turn into something different. We, we act differently than we normally are accustomed to. Our character starts to change towards other people. And just like these Israelites, the warning that came out here was they said, be careful because your character will change into an action. And for the Israelites, that was rebellion. And when we think about Scripture and we know what God is calling us to do, when we choose to get in those moments where we act differently, where we treat people differently, that is rebellion. When we're choosing to not be loving to one another, that's rebellion. That's doing against what God has called us to do. When we choose to isolate ourselves, that's rebellion. That's not what God calls us to do. When we choose to just numb ourselves and just watch TV or just, you know, just be lazy and sleep like 24-7, like, that's against what God wants us to do. Those are indicators that are rebellion. And it all stems from the thoughts of doubt is what we're getting at here. And the snowball effect becomes a thought that turns into an action that turns into a result. Because point three is because when I don't listen to God, he can't help me. 
oh, but I thought God could do everything. I thought God could do anything. So now you're saying the Bible contradicts itself. No, not at all. You know, somebody had told me once that they said, you know, God can do everything, right? That's what we all know about God. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, but you know, there's, there's a couple things God can't do. And I was like, enlighten me, because I, I never knew that God couldn't do anything. So let me know. And they said, a couple things God can't do is God can never lie. God can never lie. He can never, he can never trick you or cheat you or contradict himself because God is truth. And whatever God says is true. And the second thing God can never do is God can never be sin because God is the opposite of sin. And I've always thought about those points, and I think about a situation like this, because when we don't listen to God, we choose to live in sin. When we choose to live in rebellion, we choose to live in sin. And when I study the Bible with people, I talk about this very clearly, that the impact sin has on our lives puts God at a distance. That God cannot help us in our sin when we choose to live in rebellion. And I don't know how clearly I could have said this to people, but the reality is, it's the same way I do it when I study the Bible with people, right? You have God and you have you. God who can never lie. God who can never sin. God who cannot be sin. And then you have you who can lie, who can have a hard heart, who can sin. The reality is, is that there becomes a wall. And this wall is sin. And when we choose to rebel, when we choose to live in sin, when we choose to not trust in God, a wall becomes built between us and between God. And it doesn't matter how hard, it doesn't matter how much God loves us, it doesn't matter how much God is truth. God cannot penetrate that wall. It is impossible for God to penetrate that wall. You know why? Because who built the wall? Did God build the wall? We built the wall. And God has given us the free will to choose to build a wall, but he's also given us the free will to choose to take down the wall. And so many people get stuck in this position in life, and they say, why will God not help me? Why will God not rescue me? Why will God not pull me out of the crap of the life that I live in? And God desperately wants to love and get to those people, and he will always love those people. If this was, my, if this was me and my daughter, I would not, not love my daughter anymore. You understand that, right? If she's on the other side of this wall. I would not ignore her love. I would not, but I could not, I could not give her the love because the wall's there. And that's how God views us. And when we choose to no longer live in rebellion, but live in faith and trust and struggle, we can choose to take down that wall 
and be reunited with God. And it's important for people to see that visual because the reality is, is, is God never says we shouldn't struggle with sin. God never says we shouldn't have this feeling that we, we, can't, we can't deal with sin. We, we can mess up all the time. God understands that. But when we choose to ignore and rebel and live a lifestyle that contradicts God, then there is a wall there. And if we're not careful, our hearts will be put in that position to not receive the help that God is desperately trying to give to us. In Hebrews 4.2, it says, We've heard some, the same good news that your ancestors heard, but the message didn't help those who heard it in the past because they didn't believe. Now, once again, it's not talking about the cognitive belief here. It didn't help those people in the past because they didn't trust, because they didn't obey, because they lived in that rebellion like we talked about. Hebrews 11.6, And without faith, it is not possible to be well-pleasing to him. For it is necessary for anyone who comes to God to have the belief that God is. And he is a rewarder of all those who make a serious search for him. You see, God wants to reward those who believe in him. But like I said, it's not this thought process that we just believe in God like we believe in Santa Claus or we believe in the Easter Bunny. But he wants us to believe in him in a way that we trust him, in a way that we obey him, in a way that we put our trust in him, which is to put our lives in him. Could you imagine how this story would have been differently, the very first story we talked about in Mark 9? Could you imagine how it would be different if the man went to God or went to Jesus and says, please help me, I don't believe in you and I don't trust you, you know? Could you, could you imagine if he said that? Go back to that very first verse and, and say, the father instantly cried out, I don't believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. If this guy had zero belief or trust in God and just expected this Jesus, who he didn't believe in and trust in in the first place, to now give him everything. That's like saying, I don't believe in Santa Claus, but there better be some presents under the tree on Christmas night, right? Why would you expect there to be anything if you don't even believe in it in the first place? It's so counterproductive. And I think so many times the culture we live in makes us think the same way. Oh, we don't have to believe in God in that kind of way, but we expect him to bless our lives. And the reality is, is that without faith, I can't please God. And without faith, God can't please me. See, it's a mutual relationship between us and God. That if, if I don't have faith, if I don't trust in God, if I don't obey God, I can never please him. And if I don't have a belief in God and I don't trust him and I don't obey him, he can't help me either. It just makes sense. But we want, we want to wait until the, 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 the rewards happen to even think about this idea that it can change. But they go hand in hand. So if that's true, if that's why it's so important for us to deal with our doubts because of the reality of what can happen in our relationship with God, then we need to look at how we can build our faith up. And these are some practical things that I, I love doing lessons that I can sit here and give us some practical things because my goal is for you to leave here with some application. Every Sunday, 
Every Sunday I preach, my goal is for you to leave here with homework. You know? And once the school year gets here, you guys are going to hate that. <laughs> like, because you're going to have all kinds of homework in your own school. But that's my goal, is for you to leave here to have some homework to do throughout the week. Because what is the point of going to a church that you just go and listen to have a good time and then you ignore your life and come back to it the following Sunday? You should want homework. You should want something here that you can do when you leave. Because if not, why do you even come? Why do we even come to church if we're not going to get anything that's going to help us throughout the week? So here's some applicable things. Here's some practical things you can do this week, today, starting today, that you can do to build your faith. The first one is you've got to check out God's Word. You've got to check out God's Word. And the action here is to study. You've got to get into the Bible. We talked about Jesus being the resource, right? Jesus is the resource, and he will always be the resource, no matter what age and maturity you're at in your walk or within your doubts. So if he is the source... Look at what Jesus said, or look at what they say here about Jesus in John 23. It says, Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. But these are written down so you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in believing, have real and eternal life. If you're struggling with doubt, read the Bible. It's that simple. If you struggle with doubt, figure out who Jesus is. You know, there, there are people that talk about, oh, I just, I need more facts, right? I need, I need to know. I need to know this is like the real thing. And then they'll go through other history books and they'll go through, they'll go through like just the theology of the Christian faith and look at history books from the first century and look at ancient Rome and see things line up. And I think that's great. If you need that, go for it. If you need that much more to solidify your faith, and some people do, I believe that's, that's a healthy resource. But you know where you should start is the Bible because you want to know what the most historically accurate book is on this entire planet that we have access to. It's the Bible. You know, there are other civilizations and there are other resources on this earth, other historical places that use the Bible as a historical landmark and reference, as ancient artifacts and things that they choose to find over centuries, that they look to the Bible to figure out if it's historically, historically accurate. So why would we want to go to a bunch of different places when Jesus himself tells us that these things are written down to solidify our faith? These things have been given to us to strengthen our faith. I do think that there are things outside of the Bible that help build people's faith. I, I agree with that. But I do not believe that Jesus would have made anything outside of the Bible be the source of our faith. Because if God commissioned men to write the Bible and Jesus makes the claims that he does, that this is where our faith comes from, that should be enough. Everything else should strengthen it. But this should be the source. And too many times people want to look somewhere else in the world to, to, to gain faith. When Jesus is literally like, these are written down so you will believe in Jesus. So how have you been doing on your, on your doubts? On your study scale? Why don't you make a little scale of 1 to 10 here? When it comes to your doubts, how often do you go to God's word? On a scale of 1 to 10. 
One being, I don't ever look in God's word. I just pray about it or think about it or expect it to be gone. Ten being, every time I have a doubt, I try to find truth in God's word to help me with my doubts, to help me strengthen my faith. Where are you at? You have to check out God's word. Two, I connect with faithful people. Or yours might say helpful people. It's the same thing. I connect with faithful and helpful people. Actually, no, cross yours out and say faithful instead. Because there's a lot of helpful people on this earth. But that doesn't mean they're faithful. You might get some good resources there, but if they're not pointing to the same source that they should be, I think that was a typo. I connect with faithful people. The action here is the Crossings Church. And I'm not saying we're the only church that is faithful, but I'm preaching, and I'm here at the Crossings. My family's here, so I'm going to talk about the Crossings. You know, um, This is the church that I've chosen to, to put myself in because I, I, I believe that I can connect with people here. Um, and you need, to find a, you need to find connection with faithful people. I will tell you right now, the Crossings Church is filled with a bunch of people who have doubts. I don't know how many other preachers will say that from the pulpit. We have doubts, and we don't know what we're doing in our doubts. We struggle with our doubts, but we talk about our doubts. And just like any other you know, support group, if you're thinking about AA, you're thinking about people who struggle with addictions and in a bunch of areas, why do you think they call them support groups instead of support yourself individually in your room until you figure it out? <laughs> you know, right? They call them groups because for some reason, we as humans tend to, to do better when we connect and we are encouraged by people that are doing the same things that we are trying to do. So when you go to an AA meeting, People don't go to an AA meeting and be like, man, I'm just, I'm trying to get even more drunk. You know, like nobody shows up trying to do that, you know, unless they've been court ordered, you know, but um, on their own will, they go because they want to be better. They want to change a lifestyle or a habit that they've struggled with for a long time. And they're sitting in a room full of people that want the same thing. So wouldn't it make sense if you have doubts and you don't really know what to do with those doubts to find a group of people who have doubts too, but they want something much greater. They want to deal with those doubts. They want to work through those doubts. That's what I feel like we have here at the Crossings Church. It says, Hebrews 3.12, it says, My friends, watch out. Don't let doubts make any of you turn from the living God. You must encourage one another each day. That's part of the homework here at the Crossings Church. Is to be a member of this church. Some of your homework each week is to be relational with the members of our church throughout the week. We expect our members to be in relationship with other members throughout the week and not just pop in on Sundays and help out in, in side ministries on Sunday mornings. Say, if you want to be a part of this church, you are going to be in relationship because you have doubts just like everybody else, and we need you to work through that with everybody else because that's what makes us strong. That's what makes us solidify our faith. That's what makes us mature past that. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing the good news, and people hear the good news when someone tells them about it. There's a lot of people involved in that verse. Faith comes from hearing you got to have somebody tell it to you. That's going to take a couple people. This verse kind of goes back to our first point. 
Here at the Crossings Church, you want to know what people are going to say when you say you have doubts? The Crossings Church isn't going to say, I'll pray for you, brother. I'll pray for you. I hope you figure out those doubts, man. I have, uh, have a good week. You know, like, that's not what you're going to hear at the church. You're going, to, you're going to hear, let's get into the Bible. Let's see Jesus. Let's read about Jesus. Let's, let's start working on those doubts. Because it's not going to be some divine thing that happens because the Bible doesn't say that, that divinely God is going to zap your doubts out of your, out of your brain. But the Bible does say, read my word and solidify your faith and your trust and your belief in me. So we connect and we work on our doubts as a community here at the Crossings Church by getting into God's word together at the Crossings Church. And that's something that's open for each and every one of you guys in this room. And then lastly, I choose to do what it says. And the action there is obey. Psalms 18.25, to the faithful you show yourself faithful. Yeah, you've got to prove yourself. You can't just say to God, hey, I'm a Christian, because God's going to say, prove it. That's what our life is. That's literally what we're put on earth to do. We say we believe in God, and God says, prove it. Show me with the rest of your life that you're faithful. And so it's not enough to just read the Bible, and it's not enough to just get connected to a church, but we have to live it. We have to obey it. We have to prove that our faith is real by what we do. James 1.25, the person who continues to study God's laws that make people free and who remains committed to them will be blessed. People like that don't merely just listen and forget. They actually do what the law says. I mean, I love practical verses like this because you can't misinterpret this. You don't need Bible scholars and theologians to tell you what this verse means. They actually do what the Bible says. It's that simple. You know, like, there's, there's, no, there's, no, uh, there's no commentary needed here. We know our faith is complete and our faith is matured because we do what God's word says. And then Psalms 19.11 says, they, and it's talking about God's teaching, it's talking about the Bible. It says, they are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. So you see, guys, it's not enough to just, like I said, be in God's word or be with God's people. But there has to be a life change. There has to be something different about your life that deals with the doubts because there will be a time in your life when you will have to stand before God and he will ask you, what did you do with your doubts? How did you prove you were a disciple to me? How did you prove you actually believed in me? What did you do differently? What did you do differently than everybody else around you in the culture that we live in? You know, there's a, there's a snippet that I found that talked about in April of 1988. The evening news reported on a photographer who was also a skydiver. And he had jumped from a plane along with numerous other skydivers, and he filmed this group as they fell and opened up their parachutes. And on the film shown when they were on, on, on national TV, uh, on the telecast, the final skydiver opened his chute, and then the picture went berserk. And it was because the announcer reported that the cameraman 
had fallen to his death because he had jumped out of the plane without a parachute on. And it wasn't until he had reached for that absent ripcord that he realized that he had jumped out of that plane without a parachute. And I'm sure that whenever he was in the sky with everyone else, I'm sure everything seemed exciting and fun and there wasn't much thought. And and he probably jumped out of that plane just like everybody else. But there became a moment in his life when that parachute was his saving, was his saving grace. And he had just foolishly jumped and, and not thoughtlessly thought about the things that he had needed before that time had come. And I think the reality is, is when we don't deal with our doubts and we choose to ignore them and we just live life like everybody else, there become pivotal moments in our lives where if we do not have a parachute, if we do not have a faith, we are going to fall fast to our deaths. And the truth is, is that God wants us to have doubts, but he wants us to deal with those doubts so we can solidify that parachute in our life. So when those moments come, we have something that's going to save us. We have a faith that's going to save us and that's going to trust us. There's going to be trusting to us because of the time and the effort and the energy we put into it in our own lives. And so my encouragement to you, no matter where you're at in your faith, please realize that you have doubts. But understand that doubts, just because they're present, doesn't mean that they need to be unnoticed or, un, or unchallenged. And so my encouragement to you today is to pull out this communication card because this is, this is the first step in addressing your doubts. See, here at the Crossings Church, we truly want to connect with each and every individual that walks into our building. Because whether, whether you are openly willing to admit that you have doubts or you're going to lie straight to my face... I know you have doubts. <laughs> like, it's just the reality of life. We all have doubts. And this card is an opportunity for you to take that first step in your life and say, you know, I need to start addressing some of these doubts. And wherever we're at on that practical scale, if you feel like you have doubts, but you don't know who Jesus is, you don't know what he can do for you, you don't know what it takes to trust him. Maybe indicate that you'd like a personal Bible study and you'd like to know more about Jesus and know about his word like we just talked about, that everything that he has written has has been built to, to solidify our faith. Maybe you believe in Jesus and you understand who he is, but you have zero connection to support of people who have doubts just like you. Maybe you feel alone in life and you feel isolated because you have doubts, but you don't have people to share that with. Maybe indicate there that maybe you'd like to know more about our small groups and say, you know, I have doubts, but I just don't have people to share these doubts with. I don't know how to connect with people. And I want to know more about these small groups to talk about how I can deal with these doubts with other people. I don't know where you're at today, but I know, like I said, we all have doubts and we all, we all want to deal with them. Because just like that guy in that parachute, if you live your life not addressing your doubts, there's going to become a time in your life where you're going to fall flat on your face and it's not going to feel good. And so my, my prayer today is for us all to be able to look at our doubts and realize that if we can deal with them in a godly way, 
that because God is who he is, I can do anything. And I hope we can take this message seriously enough that when we come back next week and we put some of this stuff into practice this week, whatever topic we're hitting next week, we can look at that and say, I can do that because I believe and I have a faith in God. And even though I have doubts, I trust God. And I have a faith in God. And if I have faith in God, whatever he says he can do, he can do in me. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much just that it's okay to have doubts, you know? I think a lot of times growing up, we, you know, for me, I, I wanted to be a people pleaser. Like, I wanted, to, I wanted to look good, and I wanted to make sure I had everything together. And so I, I like to hide my doubts. I like to hide my imperfections. I like to hide the things that I struggled with because I didn't want people to see that in me. But God, I'm so grateful that you literally call me to do the exact opposite. You call me to reveal my doubts. You call me to put my imperfections on the surface. You call me to be genuine with people. And God, since I've done that with people in my life, I found people that I can be vulnerable with and I can talk about my doubts and my insecurities and my struggles. God, I'm a better man because of it. And my faith is definitely a lot more um, sound and mature because of that. So God, I pray that today that whoever needs to hear this, you know, can fill out that communication card in a way that they can start addressing their doubts and their faith and uh, find community and connection the same way that I have. And, and God, because of that, I do believe I can do anything because of how powerful you are. And I pray that we can all get to that same point, Lord. So thank you again for your son. Thank you again for the trusting faith that you've left us in, in your word. And thank you again for the community of people that you've allowed to support me with as I walk through this life, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.